0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo. We're at the National High School Invitational live on location for the podcast, Jonathan. And we're joined by Brax Garrett of Florence High School, who was tremendous on day one a great outing by you obviously Brax eight innings eight shutout innings for the victory uh I want to start with you Jonathan though just watching that performance what stood out to you
1: well we were talking before we started and I said I I think that might have been the single best game I've seen on this field and we've we've seen some good baseball here between tournament of stars and the you know I've covered all of the NHSIs and I've seen some good pitching performances but the combination of what you did Brax and then what Zach Hess did on the other side was just uh was just unbelievable, uh, and I wanted to ask you about that one moment you give up, you give up the, the leadoff triple, right. uh, and I think it's always a, a sign of, well, what, what do you got inside when that had that gut check right. moment, you left the pitch up and he crushed it, and then you said, "All right, let, let's get to work. Just what, what were we able to do? Just You seem like you're always kind of even on, on the mound, but how did you, folk, you know, channel your energies to, to really try to buckle down and make sure that that run didn't score?
2: Well, I left the ball up, and you're right, he did crush that ball, about put it out of here dead center, and um, you know, um, I, I was heading back to the mound from backing up home, and I just, it's just a, it's a focus. After that, it's, you know they're going to come aggressive, try to put the ball in play, and next guy, I ended up striking out with three straight curveballs, because you know he's looking for a fastball to put in play, and... End up striking the next guy out, and fortunately got out of that. So it's just a focus and maybe maybe a confidence thing. You don't want that run to cross. You know, I knew Zach Hess was just pitching unbelievably, and maybe that one run would have been the the run that won won them the game.
0: It felt like that, honestly. It felt like the first run in that game was. That was going to be it. That was going to be all it took. And it ended up being the case with you guys winning two to nothing. But I remember seeing you come off the mound after getting that third out in the fifth inning. And it seemed like something that had swung the momentum the other way. By getting out of it, it suddenly came back the other. I mean, you were getting high fives, hugs coming off. You could see that you were fired up. How much of a lift did that give the whole team?
2: I think it was a huge lift, especially for me because that inning – was really where I found my breaking ball because before that, my breaking ball wasn't how I wanted it. And after he hit the triple, I found it. And from then on, I was I was pretty good.
1: That, uh, that We talked about it on the air, actually. The, co- the combination of confidence in that pitch, even though you didn't have it, and confidence in your catcher. Runner on right. third, nobody out. I'm going to start throwing a pitch that I haven't had a good feel for now repeatedly to get right. out of the inning. I mean, it, thinking back but now... you. Can you understand how, from an outside perspective, like, well, that's that's a gutsy that's a gutsy call right there.
2: Right. It's. I mean, it's all trust. Uh, Colin Taylor, who's my catcher, he's caught me for two years now. He's seen it enough, and you know I trust him to do the work. So, you know.
0: Now the game went eight innings, and you went the distance. It was a, we'll call it a Jack Morris type performance, right? When you go the distance into the extra inning, like he did when he threw ten in the World Series, but. I assume there was a conversation after seven innings whether or not you're gonna go back out with between pitcher and coach. Now coach also happens to be dad, so does that change the you know, the equation a little bit when you're having that discussion of I'm going back out there on the mound, coach slash dad?
2: I don't think so. We we draw a line between dad and coach and I think we do a good job of it. Sometimes it's a challenge, but um I think we do a good job facing that challenge
1: i would imagine the one thing when you're when you're home you know you can draw the line you're on the field but but then you got to go home together right Right. so how do you leave leave this stuff on the field and not continue that that even if even if you go back to dad son relationship i would imagine there are things you'd be like oh you should have left me out there for another inning or you should have let me throw this pitch or you know that kind of thing
2: you know when we go home we talk about the game we really just talk about everyone all our players how everyone did and you know it's either Brax, you know, you played well today, or Brax, you just really didn't play very well today, and we'll just talk about it. We really don't go into the details, but we talk about it a little bit and just talk about what we think me as a player and us as a team can do to get better. Just at home, just casual talk.
0: What was going through your mind throughout the game, really, when you look across the other way and you see Zach Hess, who you mentioned, and... I mean, he threw seven no-hit innings, um, but you were able to keep them off the board as well, and you only gave up a few hits yourself. But but to know that the other team has a guy that's pitching that well, um, does that raise things for you, or does that get you even more focused?
2: Um, I don't know. I'm pretty focused as is. I mean, this is a pretty big stage, right. but I can't say it didn't have any effect. I mean, with him on the mound, I knew – our runs would be scarce if we would get any, and so the focus was definitely there.
1: This is not your your first go around here, at, you know, at USA Baseball. You, you, you've done a lot. You've you played uh, for the 18U team. Uh, talk a little bit about your relationship with USA Baseball and how much it means to you to, you know, be able to play for your country in international competition, and and to be able to come back here this time with your your whole team from back home and show them what it's all about.
2: All my experiences with USA Baseball have been the best I've ever had on the baseball field this past summer going to Japan with all the boys on the team. And coming back here just brings back all the memories of Tournament of Stars. And I got to see a couple of our guys, Hagan, Nick Prado, Blake, and Daniel Bax. And, you know, a lot of guys we've been texting back and forth. They're like, hey, you remember this, you remember this. And it's just a great time, especially um, the ring ceremony yesterday was great just getting to talk to the guys.
0: How was it getting the ring? You know, how big's the ring? You didn't bring it with you. Yeah, it's it's a nice <laughs> ring. It's a pretty it's a, nice ring. Certainly should be. Gold medal, the U18 team in Japan.
1: So I'd be remiss if uh, we, we let you get out of here with that one small draft-related question. And I know, you know, the, the stock answer is, well, I'm focusing on the season, and, and I know you are, and that kind of stuff takes care of itself. But uh, you're used to seeing a lot of scouts behind home plate and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, do you have anything in your mind in terms of this is how I'd like things to go uh, in order for you to be able to make that decision? Because, I mean, you've got that Vanderbilt commitment, um, which a lot of guys then fulfill as opposed to, to going pro. Uh, is there something in your mind that you're just like, this is what needs to happen for me to make a decision one way or another?
2: Um, right now, I don't think So my whole focus this whole season has just been to just play my best just for the team. And whatever happens, happens. You know, I I have one thing, and that's Vanderbilt. And I really do look forward to playing for Tim Corbin and Coach Brown and Coach Jewett. And, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, I mean, things could change. But I love Vanderbilt, and I love what it's all about.
0: All right. Brax Garrett, tremendous job on the mound here in your first game at the NHSI. And good luck the rest of the tournament. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great stuff there from Brax Garrett, who was tremendous in one of the best pitching duels I've ever seen at the high school level. I mean, he went eight shutout innings. Of course, high school regulation game, seven innings. It was scoreless after seven. They went extras. And on the other side, Zach Hess, seven no hit innings. And then they finally get a hit off him in the eighth. And then. They had some base running and stuff. They end up scoring two runs on Zach Hess. But we can't take anything away from what he did because here's a guy that, that came here. And we kind of talked about maybe he had a chip on his shoulder because he wasn't in the Tournament of Stars. Right. But he was here. He wanted to show USA Baseball what he could do.
1: Right, that he belonged. Yeah. And I, I think he answered that, yes, that question. A resounding yes. And you know, keep in mind that uh, he had thrown in one real game. Uh, and thrown only three innings, right, because they wanted him fresh. He had thrown uh, a a week ago Monday an 85-pitch simulated game. So he'd gotten stretched out some. But it's not like he was in the middle of of the season. So uh, he just battled. Uh, And during the broadcast, Steve Sachs, our our partner here in the booth, pointed out that there's some effort there in his delivery. And, you know, that will have to get cleaned up at the next level. But in terms of competitiveness, oh, my goodness. Um, And that's why scouts love this event. You can come to a showcase, and you go out and throw two innings, and you you try to light up the radar gun and things like that, and he's capable of doing that. But in a team situation where, you know, especially a zero after zero put up, the whole team is on his shoulders, and he he didn't shy away from it at all. And you could even see, after he gave up the two runs, you could tell he was disappointed, but it's not like he was – throwing stuff in the dugout or mad at his teammates, you know, it just the breaks of the game, Um, some crazy stuff happened in that game. And, you know, fastball breaking ball combination was really, really good. Uh, He, he certainly raised his profile a bit more after this performance. No question.
0: Yeah. That, that gamer mentality. And uh, I think Steve Sachs mentioned it as well, that, you know, you say he's an animal, his coach called him an animal yeah. on the mound, but Steve mentioned he's an animal when he throws the ball to first. He throws a 90 mile per hour fastball to first to check on a runner. Everything he did was kind of intense, full effort. Yeah, yeah. he'll
1: need to he'll need to learn to pace himself if he's going to be a starting pitcher long term. But uh, you know that's the uh, the joys of youth. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was the you know the thing that I think was so impressive is you know he started to get tired. You saw the you know, the velocity lower, but he was still finding ways to to get people out. Um, and, and you know I think that that bodes well for his future and you know one of the things that teams really look for uh when they're scouting guys for the draft is, you know, the pure stuff, yes, they you you, you need that. Um and sometimes maybe too much. Uh the the radar gun readings are too much. But more and more, you know, teams really want to know what's going on in their you know, in their heads and how they handle uh competition and adversity because you can have guys who can, you know, throw the ball through a brick wall, but the second things go wrong they fold like a card table and those are the guys that never make it out of out of the minor leagues so uh you know that uh, intestinal fortitude uh is something that's necessary uh, to really have long-term success we kind of jumped right into things because we
0: had brax here but for people that don't really know what the nhsi is the national high school invitational 16 of the best high school teams from around the country and they're here in cary north carolina uh brought in by usa baseball and it's a Single elimination tournament. Every team plays four games, but as far as winning a title here, it's a single elimination bracket tournament, and that was a first-round game, and they went head-to-head and and just tremendous, and we saw uh, some other great baseball on day one. Hagen Danner's a guy that we saw when he had his best stuff as a sophomore in this tournament was just fantastic. We saw him again here in the first round as a junior. Maybe didn't have his best stuff, but battled and yep. was still great for a Huntington Beach team. And they got the victory. And And it was kind of maybe nice to see what he can do when, when maybe the best stuff isn't there.
1: Again, talking about that, you know, the mentality yep. and the willingness to compete and you know he's no stranger to usa baseball i mean he's on the 18 u team as an underclassman keep in mind he you know he's a 2017 guy and we've already seen him seen him twice and uh yeah this event is fantastic uh this is the fifth one and i've been uh fortunate enough to cover all all five of them and there's been ridiculous amounts of talent year after year and, and you know that huntington beach team Took a hit right before coming here. Logan Paulson, who was you know their third baseman and their number two starter, uh, you know, had just had Tommy John surgery. Had he been healthy, you know, they may have been prohibitive favorites uh, to to win the whole thing, just because of the pitching depth that you need. Now we'll see what happens with them moving forward. They move on to the, to that quarterfinal, uh, and uh, we won't we won't see their quarterfinal game. You know, so they'll have to win again for us to broadcast another game. But, uh, yeah, he, he struggled a little bit, lost feel here and there. Um, he had that one bit of trouble early and then got through that, and then that kind of locked things in for three innings, and then he got tired. Yep. Um, and it was clear at the end that he was struggling to repeat his delivery and things like that. And he's a junior in high school. You forget sometimes with the, the where, where he's pitched. But uh, that was fun. And, you know, over the years, to give a little historical context, I mean, there's been some – Ridiculous pitching performances here, including Hagen Danners a, a year ago. But uh, Tukey Toussaint, you know, 33 degrees, kid from Florida, born in Haiti, came out and I think struck out 11 or 12 uh, in his game. Max Freed uh, was a first round pick of the Padres and got traded to uh, the Braves. He's just coming off of Tommy John surgery now, but he was on that same team as uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, who ended up being a first round pick of the of the Cardinals. Uh, as a sophomore that year that Giolito got hurt, had to step in. I mean, he was one of their pitchers, but he was like their third starter. And on this field, through maybe he gave up a run, but I think he threw a complete game, was unbelievable, and then came back the next year and, and pitched uh, exceedingly well again as a junior. And that really kind of put him on the map. And the list goes on and on in terms of guys who uh, – Courtney Hawkins, who is an outfielder now in the White Sox system – uh, his start, he, he had one of those, like, do-it-all kind of games where he uh, pitched into the sixth inning, shut out ball, hit a solo homer. His Carroll High School team from Texas won the game one nothing. So, I mean, there's been some guys who have used this platform to, to help build that resume leading up to the draft, for sure. It's
0: a great ballpark for pitchers because the dimensions are, are, are huge, unless guys start putting them in the gaps. But in general, it's hard to hit one out of here, and there is a lot of foul ground. But let's talk about some of the hitters that are here, too. And you keep mentioning the U18 team, and another guy on that team was Dan Baxt. Um, Poly Prep out of Brooklyn, New York, and they came down here having not played a game yet this season and they were against Hagen Danner and they battled in that game, um, especially considering that it was their first game of the season. Of course, things are a little different for the Northern teams battling right. the cold weather. Um, Bax. It was good to see him at third base. He was on that U 18 team and, and he's a really, you talk to him and, and he's really engaging to talk to and, and, Looks like he's gonna really be something as far as and and could be a high draft pick as well. Yeah,
1: I mean he can really hit. Um, and he had a very good summer over the summer, not just here for USA Baseball, but you know the whole the whole showcase circuit. He he was very good and raised his profile quite a bit because there's always that northeast kid you know, with the competition that he's facing in New York depends you know and who, who they're playing and uh, yeah he 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 didn't have a great day against Hagen Danner but. You know think about it, they're coming out of a gym, maybe they've been out on the field a couple times and using wood bats yeah, as well. And here's <laughs> and Yeah, where we we saw someone's back get sawed in half, but yeah. um come right out of the gate and like, Oh, here's ninety miles an hour. Uh and and Baxter's you know, one of the few kids on the team who had faced that consistently over the summer, but that was last summer. You know, so uh to to be ready on you know on the switch like that to to be able to face that may have been a little little too tough. So uh, he wore it a little bit against anyone. Over three and uh, did drive in a run with uh, with a ground out. But uh, he's got some power. He's going to grow into that frame some. I think he could be a really good profile third base baseman. You know, he's you know, we talked with with Brax Garrett about his commitment to Vanderbilt and how strong that commitment is. He's got a, a commitment to Stanford, where his brother went uh, not to play baseball, but you know just as a student. So. Uh, that's also a strong commitment to try to get signed away from. So we'll see what happens, you know, as as the spring goes on uh, and what kind of decision he makes. But I guess it's a nice problem to have when you're a high school senior. Well, do I want to go pro as a first-round pick or do I want to head to Stanford for yeah. a free education?
0: Hmm. These are good choices, yes. good choices to have. Um, so those are a lot of the guys we've seen here so far, but there's other players that we haven't gotten a chance to look at. Um, and some other guys that that were on that U18 team as well. But today going head to head, a couple of guys that very much in the discussion draft wise. And with all of that, Blake Rutherford is, is one of those guys um, on a Chaminade team that, that looked real good on day one. Um, and he's a guy that can really hit as well.
1: Yeah. He, he, he's got, a lot of tools. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, center fielder, uh, toolsy, you know. Not not like a 80 runner, you know, but he can run. He can hit. He's got some power. Uh, he's got a chance to be that, like, do everything up the middle kind of player that people really covet. Uh, and he was one of the few high school hitters on our early draft top 50 that I thought, well, you know, if he comes out this spring and really performs – um, he's gonna be one of those guys that kind of sneaks into consideration for the very top of the draft for teams that like you know high school bats. Uh, he's one of the more dynamic guys. He he had like an okay summer, not a great summer, but he's been on on the radar for a while now. And sometimes those guys it's hard because they already have that level of expectation, like, and so they don't exceed it. They don't get better necessarily from when he was an underclassman, but he was still pretty good you know so sometimes you know overexposure in effect hurts them so uh he, and he he had a couple of hits uh, in in day one we'll see if, you know a good tournament here he's already up near the top of the list we haven't done our new draft top 100 but baseball america put theirs out and i think they had him at number 3 yeah. um we're we're just starting our process but uh so it gives you an idea of where he fits into that conversation. He's going to be a, a top five, top ten kind of pick for sure.
0: And then Carter Keboom also here is going to go head-to-head with with Blake Rutherford on day two here. And Keboom, a guy from a baseball family, um, has, has got some brothers. One brother, Spencer, is in the Nationals yep. organization, was in big league camp this year, um, will start the year in the minor leagues. But but uh, also for a Walton team that that came in here Rank number one. They got a mercy rule win on day one. They looked everything like that number one team. But, but talk about key boom and and what people can expect to see from him.
1: Yeah, uh, you know he's going to end up at third base um, and fit that will fit that profile pretty well. It seems um, his brother, uh, you know, thinks he's better than he is. And it seems to be often the case. I remember D Gordon talking about Nick Gordon it's like, oh Nick is much better than I am. Um, so. Uh, I like to hear that as opposed to the older brother. being, Nah, I'm much better than he is. <laughs> now privately, he may say something for sure. But he just said that his brother is much more athletic. You know, and and um, Spencer being a catcher. Spencer's a catcher. Yeah. Uh, Carter's played some shortstop. You know, he, he'll be a third baseman. But uh, some some strength, some bat speed. Uh, you know, again another one of these high school bats who a strong spring. I think we had him right around 50 on our fall top 50 he has a chance to 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 move up uh you know with a good spring and he'll be you know he'll be a player that a lot of people will will look at uh there are certain teams that like those high school bats with some with some thump in it and uh they're you know especially since college hitting Every year these days is not great, I think, largely because the industry does a good job of identifying them at a high school and keeping them from going to college. So the, the few good college bats will rise up, but there aren't, just aren't that many. So if there's a high school bat that looks like they have a bit of a feel for hitting and some power potential, they're going to do well. And, and, and Carter Kiboom is, is that kind of guy.
0: This has been the Pipeline Podcast here live on location at the National High School Invitational in Cary, North Carolina. It's going to be a great week. Tune into the action. Uh, the rest of the week, championship game, twelve fifteen Eastern Time on MLB.com on Saturday. So check that out. Some of these players that we've talked about, maybe in that championship game, we'll say I would assume at least one of them, one of those teams is going to make it there. Uh, Jonathan Mayo, thanks a lot as always.
1: Fun seeing you in person, Tim.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a lot easier doing this face-to-face. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.